I just, I, I don't know. It had to be God that put it in me to stand up against it. But I would, I would do it. I, as you know, when you all came, I taught everything in in the system. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Objects in the Mirror. That's right. Objects in the Mirror, the podcast that asks the question, as it concerns the racial history in our country, are the objects in the mirror closer than they appear or not? I apologize for being gone so long. I'm here uh, with part B of my conversation with Cousin Geraldine. Really hope you enjoy it. Remember, like, subscribe, review, and share. I hope you enjoy this conversation, Objects in the Mirror. So prior to going to college, were you like how how aware were you of the things that were going on as far as what people were trying to do to kind of liberate, um, you know, black people? Is it something that I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah, they, they had had uh, prior to going to college, they had had some sit ins at McClellan's in New Bern. Um, and. Um, yeah, that that was a move in this area, and about about what what year was that? It had to be, and it was in 1963 that that I was arrested in Raleigh. So it was probably about 1960s when it began. There was a very it, things were very knowledgeable, and things had come to the point that black people said that they were going to do something about it. And I have to give Messick credit. Messick was one of the most organized and effective uh, groups down here that participated. Because Mr. Um, Booker T. Jones' daddy was the president of the NAACP. So we were, when we were organized, we, could, we would organize under the leadership of that. So um, it was in 1963 when they had the um, March on Washington, D.C. And uh, a, tr- uh, a bus from Messick went to the March on Washington, D.C. I wanted to go that summer, but I had to work. Mother um, said I couldn't go because I had to work, so I didn't get to go. I was very disappointed that I didn't get to go because that was the summer when I had just gotten out of jail. But, and I would have loved to have gone on, but I think she was fearful, too, about my going there. But uh, that was a very effective march. Dr. Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech uh, at that march. and. Um, But um, I was very aware, even if you traveled, you couldn't go to the restrooms where they were black and white. They, were, they would do anything to make you feel inferior. So it was... Um, how, well, how did you, where did you get the sense of, you know, everything around you was to make you feel inferior, but obviously you fought against that. Where, did, where do you... Where do you give credit to 
for 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 just standing up and saying well, I'm not inferior. Well, I give it to God, really. I give it to God. My mother always um, tried to raise us to be forward in the move and awareness and so forth. And we were aware that we were tr- being treated inferior, and we didn't like it. Uh, and so I just made up in my mind that there comes a point when you got to stand up against it. And uh, I stood up against it as much as I could and wherever I was asked to. Even when I uh, finished college and came to work in Pamlico County, um, prior to my coming to Pamlico County to teach, black teachers were not allowed to teach reading. There were certain subjects that they were not allowed to teach like reading and math, some of your basic subjects. They were not allowed to teach. But um, when I came to the system, I was intent upon moving all the stereotypes, and I worked to do it, you know. I would stand up against it. I, I never let them treat me as a black person. They had to treat me as a person, you know, so... Anything that would come up to that extent, uh, uh, I would, I would, I would stand up against it. I would stand up against it. I don't know. It had to be God that put it in me to stand up against it. But I would, I would do it. I've, as you know, when you all came, I taught everything in in the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first came here, they were testing. Um, they were giving those tests, those standardized tests, and I realized that when they uh, gave you the standardized test, that there were things that you were being tested on that uh, you, you you get a textbook, and a textbook has everything in it. Mm-hmm. But now, um, you weren't taught, you were not, uh, you were not allowed to how do I want to say it? They, you were you were supposed to teach everything in that book, and that was not the way that testing was done. Testing was done was based on what you were exposed to and and was supposed to be knowledgeable about. And I would I I went in there and I told him I said, look, this this book here has the uh, material that you're supposed to be being tested on. I said, how can you be tested on something when you've never been taught? Mm-hmm. So I told them, I said, look, this book is made for everybody over the United States. You've got to select out of this book what the state of North Carolina requires you to teach sixth graders, not the whole textbook. I said, you could spend your whole time teaching this whole textbook, and they never be tested on any items in this textbook. All you have to do is teach what's in here that your state requires you to. So Mr. Peel said, 
I said, you've got a state curriculum somewhere. You know where it was? In the library on the shelves. <laughs> I, went, I give North Carolina Central University credit for having, um, at the time, uh, North Carolina Central University was teachers were known to be better teachers than even the Duke University teachers because, and I, I had to take some courses over at Duke because uh, at the time that I needed to graduate, they weren't offered that semester. So I asked um, if I could take the course over at Duke so I could graduate that summer. They allowed me to take it. But now, I found out this, that North Carolina, that Duke University teachers didn't do as well as, um, as, as North Carolina teachers that they were sending out because Duke taught theories, the theory, and uh, North Carolina Central taught um so the actual sub subject matter. Mm -hmm. You understand that? Gotcha. You can't deal on a theory level. You 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 better be uh re know what the material is. And mm -hmm. so they they taught theories. And um I never forget a girl in at Duke. We had this professor, I forgot what his name was, but he was always bragging on Duke students. Duke students, Duke students. And so she said to him, she said, Dr. Cartwright, Cartwright, his name was, she said, Dr. Cartwright, she said, are you always bragging on Duke students scoring high on the test? She said, you all stack your deck to get the high score <laughs> because you don't take anything but students who are scoring high, whereas other schools have to take those that score low and so forth and, and come up with a plan to help them to accelerate, you know. So he shut right up <laughs> because that's true. Yeah, Duke Duke would take students who scored exceptionally high on the test, so they could brag about them. They would stack their cards to do it. So, do you when you were talking about the um, but practice, huh? when you were talking about like the the standardized testing that they gave? Um, do you you know some people say that there was a there's a bias to them because there are things that um. I guess like black students from just or yeah, mi minority yeah. culture just wouldn't know. Yeah, that's right. There are things majority culture would know from just everyday life that minority culture. I came. I I became a, a excellent um, and I'm not bragging on myself, but an excellent leader in the system because I would deal with what they would. I never forget when they came out with the North Carolina test. They would send for teachers to look at the testing items and determine if the items were biased to a certain group of people. And um, to a certain group, to a certain geographical level and uh, area and so forth. And uh, Jacksonville was the regional testing area, and they would occasionally ask me to go down. And I would look at them. And a kid who stays in the country may not know what a boulevard is. Mm -hmm. You understand that? Those terms that they use and so forth. So we had to look over them and pick out the the questions in the, uh, the words in the questions or the questions that were 
were not uh, good for a certain region and so forth. So I became one of the teachers that they used to do that to pick out uh, testing items that they that were were not good. But um, yes, a test can be to buy to buy. It can be biased towards certain groups. it what is it about going away and then coming back what is it that that you say causes this like awakening or when you go away and then you come back and you're just like man this is this is probably a little bit worse than what I thought it was what yeah um I didn't have to go away to see that it was back in those days. You didn't have to go away. It was just all over everywhere that black people knew that they were inferior, Mm -hmm. that they were not being treated fairly. The government had realized it. That's when really the federal government really took control to make sure that everybody was treated. Everybody uh, tried to make sure that everybody was treated fairly, but you don't have that kind of system now. You can look at it from the standpoint of the federal government now from the president right on down. You can see now that to me it's it's going backward faster than than I, I could ever realize that it would ever do again. Um what happened in Charlottesville and up in that area. It's it's just terrible now. Um but uh, you would know if if uh, I I just think I just think it's worse now. Uh, I can't even hardly explain how difficult. Because at some point things got better from a from a overt stand as far as racism goes from just like a, uh overt where things were just happening with the bathrooms oh. and stuff like that. But you feel like. If the federal government hadn't stepped in, things would still be the same. Oh yeah, and now they're busy being turned back. Yeah. Um, I remember um, a few years back, I think it was right after I retired, or maybe before I retired. I asked Mrs. McKnight. I said, um, I said, and I was just just teasing with her, really. I said, uh, uh, seems like relations are getting a little better. She said, no. And uh, she said, it's just covert now. It's not as open. She said, but it's still a whisper and this and that and the other, you know. She said, it's not any better. It's not any better. She said, and eventually it's going to get worse. Um, And I think that's true. And I think it's coming out. But I don't know. And I think this, I really think this, I think that religious leaders play a great, play a major important part in this, like they did when Dr. Martin Luther King was uh, living. 
Dr. Martin Luther King fussed all the time about the ministry not being a part of the movement. He said they know they're wrong. And Billy Graham was one of the main persons that he dealt with because Billy Graham never spoke out against racial issues. He, now that uh, he has built this museum in Winston-Salem, he's got a picture of Dr. Martin Luther King in there, but he never, ever did anything to help that movement. Most black people will tell you that they think they don't think a whole lot of Billy Graham because Billy Graham did nothing. Now, when O.J. Simpson was uh, going through what he was going through, O.J. went, he prayed, went and prayed with O.J. O.J. sent for him. But as far as helping the black movement, it was the um, Quakers. It was the Quakers who really worked to help the black movement, the black movement. A lot of them were killed during that movement, but it wasn't um, the, the main religious movement of, this, of, the, of, of the white area. forget how when we first went down there we would be sitting to a table and we would be with them discussing um, how to solve certain problems about the school system and so forth and she would get disgusted and would sit there because she said this she said if I say anything They don't pay out what I say, no mind. But if a white person say something, they grab for that idea and they push it. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I won't take that. I kept right on pushing my idea, my idea, my idea. And Miss Peacock caught on to it. She would sit there and she would say, "Um, I think Miss Bell has a good idea. She could realize what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Did they come up with the idea? I don't care if it was what how good an idea you had. If a white person would come up with them, they would grab that one and carry it more than they would. Now I'm 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 not a racist. I, I really am not a racist. But I can see how they will pick a committee. Put one black face in it to 10 or 15 of them and so forth. And I know a lot, I know this too. A lot of times our folk won't come forward and do the best that they can. They won't even volunteer because I served with the uh, Blue Crab Festival Committee, me and four other white women. And, um, we had we had gotten that Blue Crab Festival. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, vaguely. Okay. We had gotten it to the point that it was a big thing here in Bay Bar, but it was hard for me to get black folk to participate. 
to be a part of. And I I talked about them. I I, I talked about them strongly and ugly to, to them because they can do better than what they do. They can be more involved in what they can do. They wear those of us who will do something out because we are always having to volunteer because nobody else volunteered. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It's it's just a problem. It's just a problem. So do you feel that uh, race, your race, has always been a part of your life, whether you wanted it to be or not? Well... I think I think it's it's more of a problem. Uh yeah, I think it's always been a problem. Yeah, my race. I think I think that's that's one of the main problems of that this nation has. Like it's so you feel like it's no matter what, as long as you're he, you are here, it's not something you could ever get away from. Yeah. That I think that there always be certain groups who will and and they put pressure on each other too. I feel and and what look there was a black man, a white man who was running as a Democrat down here. Just running as a Democrat. Do you know he was threatened to the point that he Gave up that position. As a white man? Mm-hmm. That happened in the last election. What was he run what what was he running for? I don't know, but he was running as a Democrat. Something in the county? Mm-hmm. And he got so many threats mm-hmm. uh that he dropped out. Ladies and gentlemen, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I apologize for taking so long to get it to you, uh, but it's here, and I hope you enjoyed it. Hope to bring a few more episodes within the coming weeks, especially with everything that's going on. But until then, uh, like, subscribe, review, share, comment, tweet, retweet, all of the above. You can find us on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you, you love to listen to podcasts, you can find us. Um, I do encourage you to uh, find get these stories from your own family members as well and, and um, write it down and do something to archive it so that you'll have it for generations to come. Uh, until next time, uh, tell somebody about objects in the mirror.